Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. A pen. Turns out you made a pen, and it's on Kickstarter. It's called the Mark One, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark Uno. Mm-hmm. And it's been out for about 24 hours on Kickstarter. And Dan, would you like to share with the world the achievement that this new Kickstarter project has gotten? Uh, sure. Well, we reached our funding goal in about two hours. <laughs> and by the end of the day, it was our most successful single day of funding across all of our past Kickstarters. So that's exciting. Is that in uh, monetary value? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In terms of monetary. I haven't checked the backer count. That it might. It still yeah, is. I actually did a little looking on KickTrack. Woo. Uh, Everyone's oh favorite website. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's actually quite useful. It is, but it's um, ugly as sin. It really is ugly. And the name is weird because there's a Q in it, but um, let me look real quick. So, yeah, I think it was also, well, it only has the latest two campaigns, the Panda Book and the Adjustable Glyph. Uh, so, but it is it bigger than both of those um, on the first day. So, that's that's really cool. It's about 50% bigger than both of them in terms of the money side of it. So, um, quite a bit bigger, actually. So that's pretty cool. Who would have thought? Obviously, I love this campaign. We're going to talk about the specifics and details of the campaign. Um, but whilst we're on this discussion thread, why do you think that this has happened? Like, why do you think that this project has not only funded so quickly, but has become almost like a record breaker? Is it like, are you still riding the wave from the success of the panel book into this, do you think? I think that has a lot to do with it. We... You know, it it was like, it makes a lot of sense that anyone who would back the panel book, like this would at least be something they're interested in, right? And that's not always mm-hmm. the case with the things we do. So I think that helps um, a lot. And, it you know, it hasn't been that long since people received their panel books to, to until this. And so I think we're also maybe a little bit more on their mind or whatever. So maybe some of that. Um, I don't really have any good explanations at all. Uh, but that... That's what I would tell myself. Dan and I haven't really talked about this, but yeah, that's... Do you have any theories, Dan? Yeah, I think it's probably a combination of things. Uh, the the kind of pano, back, uh, pano book uh, kind of crossover effect. And then I think, you know, this is such a... You know, it's a pen. It's a very kind of general purpose thing uh, where, you know, any of our other things can c- potentially be you know, narrow the audience in some way where obviously not everyone in the world wants to buy a $50 pen, but a pen is just like an inherently useful thing that basically everybody uh, needs or wants. And so it at least has a big audience that would consider backing it. And so, yeah, I think of all of our, all of, of everything we've made, it's probably the most kind of like general audience uh, type thing. So I don't know that that might be contributing as well. And, you know, it was a low goal. So uh, I think that's part of the reason why we funded so quickly is because the goal was pretty, you know, relatively low to what we sometimes do. 
so like for the glyph the goal was like fifty thousand. so if that was the goal in this case you know it would have been at the end of the day so i think the thing that we always i think try to look at is just number of backers really because that's what matters at the end of the day and so uh you know it's in line basically with the you know the other most recent projects so the mark one is a pen can you explain to me tom why did studio neat want to make a pen and what makes this pen a special pen yeah so we revealed a lot of this in the members only episode so we did so if you were a relay fm member you've known about this for a while that's right. That's right. And that, you know, a lot of the obviously the reason behind it hasn't changed. But basically, you know, we we made Panelbook and even before well before Panelbook was like out or done, we, you know, we were kind of testing just pins like on paper and just kind of in that world a lot. And we we both stumbled across uh, or we didn't both stumble across, but we stumbled across the, the Schmidt uh, cartridge and we're just really, really we both really, really liked it. Um, which is actually a little bit funny because we don't usually use the same type of pen, but we both really responded to it. And um, so we were just looking around for a pen that we like, that we liked, that we would want to use this cartridge in. And there was nothing that we really loved. And there was no click pins that used it. Um, and nothing that really matched our style or just what we wanted in general. And so that kind of got our wheels turning. And we're like, well, maybe we should make a pen, even though that it seems like it's a little bit uncomfortable for us, like that idea a little bit. But, um, but yeah, we, we found some kind of footholds in terms of like some reasons to make it. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where it started. And I was trying to think when I'll look real quick while we're talking what the first like how long ago this project started. But I think it was quite a long time ago. So what makes this pen special, though? What are the things that you've set out? to do to make it stand out to make it different from some of the other stuff that's on the market well well we made it that's all you need to know mike uh, yeah, it's just got this it, you know it's got our love in it like what more right. could you that's want what do you need yeah you're so so superficial um it's a okay so it's an all metal pin it's very minimal so it's like s- sleek so there's basically no ornamentation no logo and it's basically there's only two visible things on it there's like the main body of the pin which is like a opaque matte color either black or white and then there is a knock or the part you like click and that is a shiny metal either like nickel or or copper and we wanted a really nice like mechanical click pin where you actually like click it and it's click click clicks and we wanted something that was just simple and metal and just really restrained and nice that used that cartridge so that's kind of that was the thing that drove our design process um we also wanted something that was durable. So we ended up settling. What got us really excited was uh, being able to use this uh, material called Cerakote, which is like a ceramic polymer coating that goes on metal. And typically it goes on, is used on firearms um, for like coating, like even the parts of a firearm that move and are exposed to a lot of heat and friction. So it's developed to be very, very tough. It's like one of the toughest or the toughest thing you can put on metal that's not like metal plating. So it's really tough, um, but it's awesome because it's opaque like paint. So it's not like anodizing or other types of ways to like finish metal where they're a little bit translucent and you can see the metal through it and your color options are limited. This is like literally like applied like paint. One of the things that I kind of see with this pen as compared to other aluminium pens that have been colored is that the Mark I doesn't look like it's made of metal. Mm-hmm. where if you anodize any aluminum to 
make the make it a different color, which is what most people would tend to do. It's still shiny. It looks like metal, but now it's green, right? Yeah. But with this pen, I think the thing that surprises me the most is I often forget it's made of metal because it's warm to the touch because the Cerakote makes it warm. Um, and it just doesn't, it doesn't look or have the traditional properties of aluminium, which I actually think makes it stand out. And it's one of the reasons that I like it because it has a textured finish to it, which is great because, you know, the pen is just a cylinder. There's no uh, grip section of any, you know, any, any mm-hmm. way. Like a lot of uh, aluminium pens will have lines like etched into them or will have knurling, which is where you get a little cross pattern as a way to give you additional grip for the pen. I've had, so I should say, I have a Mark 1. I've had some prototypes um, that you guys have sent me, and I've been using it for a couple of months, I think. Um, and uh, one of the things I like about it is the fact that this material makes, gives the pen a natural grip, which you wouldn't find yeah. in regular aluminium. It's almost soft. And if you look at it, like just sitting there, it really does look like matte plastic. And that, that, yeah. that's kind of its look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we really liked. I mean, we. We wanted the weight and heft and like quality feeling of a metal pin, but we like just like the idea of that matte finish. And, you know, we have so on the Kickstarter, we have black and white with their own like knock colors or finishes. But it's really exciting because down the road, it's really easy for us to do or not really easy, but pretty simple for us to do custom colors or special editions. So pretty excited about that possibility. We haven't you know, thought or really made any decisions about that. But it's exciting that we can, you know, have an addition pretty easily um, without too much trouble. So we're, we're making some design choices with the packaging and stuff that will hopefully allow us to make that change pretty easily and not be kind of baked into only two colors. Um, but we'll see. But yeah, that, that part of it's really fun. So yeah, we're really happy with those. Those decisions were made pretty early on. Um, and and the really the, the whole like last nine months has been about you know, getting the mechanism the way we wanted it and tweaking the geometry and just kind of making tiny little changes over and over and over again, uh, uh, which is, I guess, what we do now. But um, yeah, so it's it's been a long road, but it's been really good. One of those changes was for the for the mechanism. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. This pen was done. Like you sent me a prototype of a basically finished version in October um, of yeah. last year, and. I remember, you know, I'm not saying it isn't because of me, but I remember I said to you what I didn't like about it was that the mechanism was smushy. It was, it it had a uh, kind of jelly kind of feeling to it. It it wasn't satisfying. Um, But you guys have decided that you were mostly okay with it. And then all of a sudden decided you would redesign and create your own mechanism. So what happened there? Yeah, this is a this is an interesting project for us because we basically did it twice. Uh, back in October, you know, like you said, we had sent you a prototype. Our design was essentially locked. It looks exactly the same. Yeah, we were like, okay, this is what the pen is. Here's, you know, more or less a final prototype. Uh, we got quite far on the Kickstarter video. Um, and then we were kind of running into a timing issue where... It was like, you know, kind of getting into November and it's like, you know, I don't think it's a really good idea to launch a Kickstarter campaign, you know, during the holiday season. Um, so we were like, oh, well, maybe it's good because, you know, people will be like, you know, wanting to, you know, in the like buying mood, I guess. Uh, but we we're like, you know, I think it's best to just push this to January. Um, and so in that lull, 
um, two things happened. One is we uh, decided to revisit the mechanism because we had a little bit of time. We were like, you know what? I think we should take a minute, step back and see if we can, you know, reapproach this and see if we can get uh, a true clicky mechanism. Cause honestly, that is what we wanted from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we did a good job of kind of convincing ourselves that the, the kind of smooth clickless mechanism was good enough. And there are, I mean, in fairness, there are some things that are nice about it just in its, you know, in its own right. It does, it does have a certain feel to it that, it's easy to be convinced you like it. Um, but now that we've, you know, fi- now that we've been able to do the click as mechanism that has an actual click, uh, to me, there's no comparison. I, I like it much more. Um, but that is like a good, you know, that's kind of a separate discussion of <laughs> kind of when, when parameters and, and limitations are in place, you know, how you're, how people tend to do a good job of kind of like convincing themselves that things are, you know, how they should be or how they want them to be. But anyways, there was, so that was like a, a basically a, a reef, a redesign, a rethink. And then with the video as well, we had shot quite a bit of it and, and were pretty, had more or less a rough cut of it. And it just wasn't, we felt like it wasn't do, kind of doing justice to the pen. Um, it was mostly kind of like a lighting issue where it just, this, these, the pen is actually quite hard to photograph because of the shiny knock end. So we were just unsatisfied with it. So basically scrap what we did and remade that as well. So it really feels like we designed this pen twice. Uh, but I guess that's a luxury we're afforded because we don't, I guess we don't have deadlines. <laughs> like we, we were able to take the time we need to, to get it right. So I, you know, and I'm glad we did cause I'm much happier with, how it turned out the pen is priced uh, a premium price um what is the thinking behind the pricing like where does that come from why do you see uh this pen as what is it, 50 dollars? it starts at mm-hmm. yes yeah, so it's 50 bucks and we actually for a long time were thinking it would be more uh and like to, to kind of fit our like profit margins we like to try to stay at we would need, need it to actually be more well, we decided to go to like drop the price a little bit, um, at least for the Kickstarter. We don't know where that will end up like later after the Kickstarter. It might go up quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, we always, you know, it's always a back and forth with us. Like we if we could sell something for for less, we do if it, you know, if it makes sense. So it's it's kind of like where we think the uh, final bill of materials cost will be and our profit margin. And we try to wrestle that with what feels right. And we, we thought that like 50 felt really good. Um, You know, if we, we can't, but say we could sell this thing for $30. It also kind of, I think would be a little bit counter to its quality a little bit. Like I think you would be expecting it to be worse than it is if, if it was like 30 bucks. So for us around 50 bucks just felt right and it was a, it's like a little bit less profit margins than we're usually typically designed towards so that is interesting we'll see where that goes but um i don't know that's that's where we stand it, it was in flux i mean you price final price is usually in flux for a while uh before we really finally decide i mean i think we were like talking about it you know like a week or so out even from launching um because you know we have some wiggle room there but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So that's a little bit new for us, actually, is it's, we set this price a little bit lower than we, I think we typically would have. 
let's talk about the video. So <laughs> the video is incredible and in a way that I kind of can't understand how it was done. Like there's a lot of really interesting stop motion going on here, right? Mm-hmm. How how did that come together? Dan, I'm assuming that this was mostly your doing? It was all yeah. Dan. Um so basically the at, when we decided to scrap the previous video, which was also stop motion, but I was kind of doing it in my old way, which is my old way was just completely winging it where I would just move the thing a little bit and take a picture and then move it a little more and take a picture and just kind of pray that it looks okay in the end. Uh, And so when we decided to scrap it and start over, I was like, okay, let's, you know, let's do this right and kind of invest in a setup that, uh, that is going to be, you know, good for the future and will actually make, you know, an appreciable difference in what I was doing before. So just quickly, the details, if anyone cares, basically, I got a new camera uh, recently, the, the Sony A7R three, which is like a mirrorless full frame camera. And so the key image quality wise, you know, my previous camera was fine, but the problem with it is it didn't have like video out, like it didn't have USB out or HDMI out or whatever. So with this new camera, I'm able to connect it to my computer and I'm using a piece of software now called Dragon Frame, which is, I've come to understand, uh, more or less an industry standard for stop motion. Like I think like major movie studios that do stop motion, like, you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox or Kubo and Two Strings or whatever, like use this software. It's It's kind of the the main kind of professional grade software for stop motion animation. So with that tool, there's just, it makes things so much easier and so many things possible for me that weren't possible before. So a good example is, and and something that was really helpful for just like the timing of all these things that are kind of sliding on and off the screen is you're able to draw animation paths and then, tell it how many frames you want, you know, that sequence to occur over. And then you can control the kind of like the easing uh, timing, like basically the velocity and then, you know, say, okay. And it'll put little tick marks along that path. So it basically tells you exactly where to place the object to get this certain effect and you can preview it and everything. Mm -hmm. And then obviously there's things like, you know, onion skin to like, see like a, a, a faded version of the previous frame and stuff. So just all these tools um, made it possible to, to up my game and, and make it uh, much more fluid and, and just look a lot better. So that was, that's kind of the main thing. Uh, another minor tweak is I, I shot it at 15 frames a second instead of 10 frames a second, which is what I usually did. And so that, that those added frames just make it a little more fluid. And then the biggest change in terms of the image quality is we bought like a light box, which mm-hmm. is a tent like cube that dif- that you have lights on the outside of it and it kind of diffuses the light. So it creates a really nice lighting environment and nice kind of soft shadows. Uh, and so that was really nice a because the images just look much better, but B it's a consistent setup that, if you're having to, you know, shoot over uh, multiple days, yeah, okay. you're, uh, you can keep things kind of consistent. 
how do you do the the stuff if you're willing to share your secrets where like the pen is floating around like how does that happen yeah, so I, basically, lots of Photoshop is the and clone oh. brushing is the is the short answer. But wow. for that okay. shot, yeah. So what was interesting about that shot and what I did is for 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 stuff like the the notebook sliding in and the pen sliding in, those I used those aforementioned uh, like animation paths just to mm-hmm. help assist. Like okay, like what speed? But for the actual writing part, basically, what I did is I shot a video uh, of myself, like, with my hand in there, like, writing the hello out. And then what's cool about Dragonframe is I could use that video as kind of a guide layer. Um, and so whenever I was animating the actual pen moving, I I built this, like, rig of, like, you know, wire and stuff to prop the pen up that I was then going to Photoshop out later and but i had that video guide to know where the pen should be positioned so it like looked natural when i was writing and so i just matched the pen position against the video that i had shot and so i knew that the end result would be like it would look normal and not kind of all jittery and weird um so that's how i did that and and there's a whole bunch of de- like the way the way i had to shoot it to like make it possible to photoshop and and all these things is it's not really worth going into that but basically it was it took about a week to do like that opening animation, which is like twelve seconds. Uh, so yeah, it was <laughs> lots and lots of photoshopping. <laughs> it looked uh, yeah, because I meant right. So like, you're working on every frame, so that's a mm. lot of frames. But it looks yeah. wonderful. It's like one of those things where it's less noticeable because it's so professional, mm. right? It's mm-hmm. less like. There are sometimes you see something like this, you're like, ah, oh, look how good that was. You know, like, what, bravo to them. They did a great thing. But mm-hmm. with this, it's kind of just like you take it in as a just a mark of professionalism to the project. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Be- because it's so good, it is less, like, impactful in that way, but it's more impactful in others in, like, less perceptible ways, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. It's like, so we really like stop motion for a couple of reasons. One, like Dan can do it by, like, it's playing to our strengths. Like we don't, you know, we're not going to like hire talent and we're like not great on camera. And like, we don't have awesome se- like <laughs> hey, scenes Kickstarter. and like locations. Yeah. <laughs> so stop motion is great because we can make something that is visually compelling and interesting, like with the tools we have kind of. So we like that. But I also, we both like it because it feels um, like friendly and approachable. But I like that this now feels very professional, yet still like keeps that friendly tone. And so it's a really nice balance because it can it can really have that air of professionality, like and thoughtfulness and quality like you're talking about, but still be friendly and like nice and not like kind of soulless. So, so that's really cool. The other thing I'd like to point out with the video is all of the sound effects, like not the track, but the like sound effects of like the pin going Shh, and stuff is all Dan. Like with his voice, it's oh, all really? voice stuff. Yeah, that's good. Which is really fun. Yeah, it's very like Wes Anderson, and uh, I think my guess, and I don't know, I, we haven't, Dan haven't, and I haven't talked about this, but my guess is because, let me, I'm just gonna guess, and I'll see if this is right. Dan, did you do those sound effects like that because you saw how well the stop motion was turning out, and it made you think of like of like Wes Anderson or 
something like that and you're like you know this could, i don't know it's like worth doing the foley work or something uh like what made you do that because it's really nice but you know we never talked about it you're just like hey check out this yeah, I uh I that pretty much was it is it the animation was turning out well and I thought well I might as well try this uh to see if it adds anything cuz we'd never done sound effects uh in previous stop motions. So I was like, "Oh, I'll just try it on this opening shot and see uh and see if it works." And immediately it was like, "Oh yeah, this adds a lot." Um so that's good. And just to be clear, not everything is uh, is my voice. Like a lot of the sound effects of like things sliding are just oh yeah, it's all recorded yeah, it's all things sliding. But yeah, it's kind of a mix of like all the pop sounds when the titles come up. Like that's just my mouth making a pop sound. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it; it's happening in front of us. Um, I want to talk about um, some like the reception to the campaign. I was thinking about this today earlier today, like the. There is a thing I think in Kickstarter culture where because a project is in development, like people are more willing to tell you what they want instead, mm-hmm. right? So like you have a thing and like here is the thing we have made and then people will say, well, I th- I would like it this way. And I think mm-hmm. part of that is because people know the project is still going, like things are still mm-hmm. being made. Stuff can be changed if you wanted it to be, right? Like I think that this is a perception. Mm-hmm. So I see this a lot yeah. in Kickstarter campaigns where people are like, I really like this, but I would like it this way or I would like it that way. I think you should do it like this. I think you should do it like that. And sometimes there are really mm-hmm. good things. I think if I remember rightly, like the mark that you made on the panel book cover was because of something that people ask for right i, I believe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right to kind of like to, to to say what's the front what's the back that kind of thing so mm-hmm. i've been looking at the comments uh people have been asking me questions about this in general uh mm-hmm. in all of like the different pen communities that i run in so i wanted to go through a couple of these things so i think mm-hmm. that something that a lot of people want and it was something that i wanted uh initially was i wanted a roll stop on this pen and a roll stop is a tiny little piece of something could be a piece of metal or whatever that sticks out from the side of the pen in somewhere and means that if the pen rolls away, it has something to stop on it. Um, And in the same vein, a lot of people are asking for a clip. So I wanted to go through with you guys the thinking uh, behind why there is no clip or roll stop. And if it's something that you would consider, or if this is something that you're just not interested in providing and why. Yeah, we, for a long time, uh, we talked about this, some of the members episode two, uh, for a long time, we were trying to get a roll stop on there and trying to figure out a way. Um, but every, there was nothing that just worked and the, the solutions we liked just look like buttons. And then it was like confusing because some pins, you can push a button on the side to have it like disengage or close. Um, so there were some kind of reasons that made it not easy. Um, but I think once we developed the design more and we arrived at this very sleek one color barrel with the specific geometry that it has, we just really loved the sleek, minimal look of it it's just very striking it's like a bullet or something it's just like very sleek um and so i think we're now even if there was a great solution i i would feel pretty hesitant to like adding anything to that um because it just it's just really striking i uh you know i think we're gonna think about some sort of pin clip we haven't thought about that um 
I I have a really hard time believing we there'd be a a solution that we would be into. Um, so, but but I think we're gonna at least give it a fair shake and see if there's something that we could do. But I'm, I think we'd have a really hard time finding something. So yeah, and ju- and just to jump in real quick to be clear, like if we do end up doing something, it would be a either an option or a alternative pen version it's not like we would just like be like hey here's the mark one but now it has a clip and you have to have one yeah no no no. it would be optional certainly yeah um and so yeah it you know it but in terms of like feedback from backers and stuff um usually uh, it is rare where we see a recommendation that we had never thought of so usually we have thought about all these things that have made a decision either way but sometimes if a lot of people voice like like for instance uh i thought we considered a while ago that oh maybe people are going to want a copper knock plus black bodied version of this pen people are probably going to want that um and we decided not to do that um but if we hear a lot from backers that that's really something we want we might consider it right so it's really about like how what's the volume of what people are saying um you know, it it can kind of sway our opinions because almost always we've made a conscious decision about all these things, but we can definitely believe that we're wrong or have like miscalculated on things. And so if it's something that we can change without kind of destroying other parts of the product, we are definitely open to it. But, um, you typically, it's not something that's brand new to us. It's just like it, it, the amount, the like volume or the amount of of comments, um, will kind of maybe push us back in the direction we weren't thinking. Um, does that make any sense? I think so. I think so. Okay. Yeah, and just to add to the the clip or no clip discussion, I think a lot of it also is just straight up personal preference. So like I think people that are asking for a clip are like not wrong at all. Like they like oh, clips, yeah. but we just Yeah, cuz to some people a pen without a clip is broken. Yeah. Yeah, so for us, I mean, I'll just speak for myself. Like I personally don't really prefer clips for a couple reasons and they're all they're they're like weird and uh idiosyncratic in some ways but like i always i find myself like fiddling with clips too much and like on cheap pens i'll just like break them off and that's really annoying and then one thing i've really noticed that i really like about the mark one prototypes which this is like silly but i like that you can pick it up and there's no orientation like i think whenever there's a pen that has a roll stop or a clip i have this like weird little like ocd thing where it it, like needs to sit in my hand a certain way like the clip needs to be oriented a a certain way and there's something really nice about this this like radial symmetry i guess where you just pick it up and it's you don't have to like fidget with it like it's just always ready to go so it's like a minor thing but it's something i've i've really enjoyed with with the prototype uh yeah and just one other note about the making changes after the fact that i thought about dan was talking um would be really hard like we a long time ago decided okay no pin cliff and so not only like we could find a solution that would work but i think it would be nearly impossible for us to find a solution now now that we've like made a statement and made this pin that does not is designed to not have a pin clip to find a solution that would not feel tacked on and we don't like don't want it this you know we don't want any part of this thing to ever feel tacked on and so for us to design a pin clip on we'd really have to start from zero again and maybe there'll be another pin in the future that has one but it would be a completely different pin because it has that so that's why it's so difficult to respond to um these kind of requests 
because you know it's just almost nearly impossible to really tack something on like that it's like really really hard to and then and then keep a design that is um like harmonious and, and feels right and is like authentic so that's why it's so difficult it's not that we you know don't aren't listening and don't completely believe that people want that and they're like justified for wanting it it's just we've made all these decisions we've built this foundation and it's really difficult to like kind of remodel the house without breaking it i guess there is a there is an like a simple fact sometimes that you have to accept is that sometimes it's better for just somebody to just not buy it than you decide to make something you don't want to make i love it i i love accepting that one thing i think about all the time is when we had the first glyph uh like way back in the day um and it it only worked on like the iphone 4 if you had no case and we went to Macworld to like the convention we had a booth and people would come up and you know some people like oh this is cool and then some people would be like oh well i use a case on my phone and we would say okay well this isn't for you then and they would be like kind of taken back like they would be <laughs> taken aback that we weren't like selling it to them yeah. that we weren't like trying to push it on them and the thing that i really like about that is we would much rather make the people who this is designed for really happy than have a compromised product that maybe works for more people, but it makes no one really happy. So that's why we're perfectly fine mm -hmm. with saying, okay, this just isn't for you. Like, we don't want to hard sell it because we don't want you to be disappointed. Like, so, so that's why, you know, it's, we're really confident in the decisions we make because we're like, okay, with this with limiting, you know, who this is for, basically. And we know that that's happening, and it's totally fine. Um, and we hope that we just don't want to come off as being, like, arrogant or, like, dismissive of people's wants. It's just like, no, we just designed this thing, you know, for someone else, basically. <laughs> From the production standpoint, is that all nailed down? Do you know how and where this thing is going to be made? Uh, not exactly where. The really awesome thing about this pin is... Uh, it could be made by lots of different people um, because it's a pretty controlled machining process. So that's really cool. We have some quotes and we will probably go with the supplier that we've used in the past because they do really good work. We know them. Um, but we haven't completely decided that yet. But the way it will be made is all on one machine, which is awesome. <laughs> it's called a CNC Swiss lathe. And it's, it's a machine that is, uh, can make very, very complex parts. And it's perfectly made for basically making this pin. Um, so it's great. It's very, 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 very precise, uh, mm -hmm. like less than a thousandth of an inch if it needs to be. And so, you know, we can really kind of make exactly how we want it. Um, so I, I, it, there's a lot. There's, I think, a lot of to, to talk about in terms of like the actual development of the mechanism, which I don't know if we want to get into those weeds. But um, it, it's... It, it's it's awesome that we we have basically one basically one supplier and one kind of machine and we know you know what it can do and 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 um and kind of what are the operations and you know what it's good at what it's bad at so that's really awesome so I hope that production will be pretty um pretty easy the the only downside with that this production process is uh there is like a to make one part on that machine costs a thousand dollars. Like if you're just gonna make one, Oof. it probably costs like five or a thousand dollars because the setup and programming of that machine and time to set it up is is so expensive. Right. And if you're right. not gonna then run it, so th these companies can actually run these uh, these machines lights off, which means they can load it up with a bunch of bar stock and then like leave for the weekend, and it will just like run and make parts. Hmm. So the setup time is is really 
uh, is like kind of a flat, huge fee. So the problem is we can't really get like a sample production part without paying a lot of money. So that is the one kind of risk here is we have to kind of triangulate and get the design of the parts like finalized, but then we're going to go into production and we won't have production parts until we have production parts. But at that point, we spent quite a bit of money. So that's a risk uh, inherent in the process. There's a similar risk with like, you know, injection molding and you know, there's always a risk, but that's where the risk is in this process. And it's unfortunate that, you know, uh, we can't get kind of like perfect samples before we go into production, but we'll be able to get pretty close using some other methods. So it will work out, but, um, but that is the one downside. All right. So as we stand right now, so recording today, you have 1,070 backers for 54,500 pounds. Oh, I get that. I don't know if you know this now, but Kickstarter does this thing that's really annoying where it shows, it, I guess it's a good thing in some instances, but, but it's annoying for me when I'm looking at Kickstarter campaigns. It shows me everything in pounds. So you had a 21,369 pound goal, uh, and then you can hover over this little indicator. So you are at 76,600. $133 as we record right Wait, now. Wait, so how many pounds is that? 54597 uh, okay. Gotcha. You guys so, are coming back. Yeah, so it does this same. The conversion is good, but I, I, it doesn't do the conversion everywhere. Like, I wish it doesn't convert the goal limits until you go through to checkout. So it's like, well, why are you... But anyway, so there's all different kinds of currencies going on for me right now. But anyway, so <laughs> you, are, you are like way over 200% of the the funding you are breaking mm-hmm. records left and right where do you think this one's going to end right. up uh well so i did a little just basically we're after the first day we were about like you know 50 50 to 60 percent more than our other projects and the curve of like if you look at like the the, the funds being raised as like a graph they all kind of mathematically are pretty similar in terms of like the way they slope so it's somewhat easy to like predict like you know where we'll end up and so if we just you know take that 50 percent more than like the panda book and the glyph then you know it might be in like the 300 uh realm which would be Yeesh. a whole new world for us yeah so that's interesting uh like for the first three days of the glyph and the panda book they both raised about like seventy thousand dollars and if the trend continues with this, the first three days it will be like, you know, 115, 120 or something. So, I mean, who knows? It, I, I'm always like, oh, this will probably just fall off a cliff. But they always seem to all at literally every single one of our eight campaigns is like worked the same way in terms of the way the curve feels. So uh, likely that's maybe where we'll be. I don't know. I don't want to jinx it, but that's what it looks like. This is also the first campaign we've ever done that is has a funding period that's longer than 30 days. And we did is basically, I mean, 45 days, but we wanted it to end on a Friday. So I think it was 46 days. Uh, but basically the reasoning for that was just, hey, let's see what happens. Because in our past campaigns, we've noticed, like Tom was saying, there's kind of a steady, uh, predictable stream of backers. And then once the campaign ends and we switch to like a pre-order system on our website, it more or less kind of falls off a cliff. Uh, like we still have pre-orders coming in, but it's at a much slower pace than we were getting on Kickstarter. So we thought, well, let's just extend the funding period by a couple of weeks and see what happens. And uh, so that'll be interesting. And, and it's cool we'll because it shouldn't actually extend our delivery date. 
um, which is nice because like we have so much work to do. Like we're starting to work now in terms of like m like moving into production now that we know it's going to happen. And it, we don't need that money from Kickstarter, you know, in the next 45 days or whatever. So it's not going to actually hold us up any. So it's like, why not extend it, you know? Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. You can find out more about this episode and get links to go and back the Mark 1 for yourself at relay.fm slash tc slash 36.